since there's there's basically nobody home inside and outside there's no nothing controlling where does how does that relate to our concept of free will and intention well the entity that we are and that the uh, that until you become a fully awakened being you're going to identify the entity that you think you are as being some kind of a self is not rigidly and deterministically determined in how it behaves and how it evolves over time. If it were, if if there were a radical and complete determinism, then you couldn't you couldn't, you know, the process that you are would just have to unfold and there would be absolutely no hope that that process itself could direct itself to evolve in a new and different direction. But that is that is not the case. Uh, if you look at what happens to you as an individual, the working of your own mind, that there are constantly decisions being made, and they're being made as a cumulative result of the past conditioning of the body-mind complex that you are. Um, and that there, uh, that you are a complex entity of many parts. There's no single thing that you can call your mind, and no single thing that you can call it yourself, and no single thing that you can call your will. But each decision you make is an outcome of many different past experiences and many different mental processes that have developed as a result of those past experiences. Call them impulses or tendencies. So when any kind of choice that arises and that is made, and this is constantly happening moment by moment, is basically the outcome of uh, measuring these different impulses and tendencies against each other. For a huge proportion of these, uh, your makeup is such that, you know, the, 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 you, the predominance is such that there's, there's, it's always going to go in one particular way. There's not any sort of doubt. The probability is huge that when this decision, when this choice arises, that you're going to go this way rather than that way. But there are also a tremendous number of circumstances that arise in your life where when these different uh, impulses and tendencies, when they're added together, they come up to a, a probability that is like 50-50 or, or very, very close to that, very closely in balance. And so, in, in those cases, it's not predetermined. The other thing is that uh, it's not as though in each intention that arises in your mind and, and each act it leads to, that every part of your cumulative past karma <coughs> is participating in this. So something happens, and you respond immediately afterwards, or at least you have a reaction, you're inclined to 
say something of a particular kind immediately afterwards. And of the different tendencies and processes that make you up, there's only a small number of them that would have participated in the generation of that intention. If you, if you have restraint, and if you allow a little more time to elapse, there are other tendencies that you have required, uh, have acquired, which can produce a different intention and a different action. If if only you allow the time to uh, for that to occur. Now, allowing the time for that is only one part of the way that that we as uh, as an entity can determine our own evolution. The other is the kinds of tendencies that we accumulate that can affect a particular choice, that can affect a particular intention. So that is by other very easy choices that we make all the time. You can influence by things that you hear and read and influence by your mind's own examination of your experience, say that I would like my own nature and my life to go in this direction rather than that direction. And that can guide you, just to use the example of of being a person on a spiritual path, that can guide you to become interested in a spiritual path that can cause you to start associating with different kinds of people. And what they say and do is part of what influences your future decisions. You can attend Dharma talks and everything that you read and see and hear becomes a part of your makeup. And so you can, in all kinds of very gentle, subtle, easy ways, influence the makeup of who and what you are through positive influences, through easy choices. You know, when, when you're at a, something that's like a 50-50 choice of go to a Dharma talk or, or uh, watch porn on the, on the internet, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if most people would experience that particularly. But, you know, it's, it's very illustrative of the the kind, different kind of results that come. So if you just imagine that you're at that decision point, that it's, well, should I do this or should I do that? You know? and, and if it's, if, you, if you're right at that balance point, and if you have the sense that you'd like to be a better person in a better world, then you might choose to go to the Dharma talk. And you build up, you accumulate those experiences. The Buddha said that the spiritual, the path, you know, somebody approached me once and said, uh, good companions and good circumstances, that's part of the spiritual path, right, boss? And he says, no, 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 that's the whole of the spiritual path. Associate with, with, with good people. Associate with people that you would like to be like and that have the same interests and directions. Bad companions are going to make you into uh, a person like like the people you associate with. So good companions, wholesome companions, and wholesome circumstances. This is, this is the way that you've equipped 
your mind with all of these positive influences so that when you come to other uh, more difficult choices, you can introduce enough of a pause and let let them join in the decision-making so that when you have the, uh, the impulse to perform a kind of habitual, unfoldsome action that has been a part of your life for a long time and being reinforced many times, if you restrain yourself long enough to have some of these newly acquired influences play a role, then you can you can change. And each time you succeed in doing that, you make yourself into a different kind of person who's less likely to be inclined to the unwholesome and more likely to be inclined to the wholesome. So to bring that back around to meditation, that's what we're doing every time we bring our attention back to the breath. It's practicing that. As a matter of fact, skill. we are. If you wanted, you know, I thought years ago, I thought of this as a way that a person could understand meditation and karma. How meditation is a way of making a particular kind of karma. You close your eyes and say, I'm going to pay attention to my breath, and it doesn't happen. Well, it's because your mind is conditioned in such a way that you're going to end up thinking about other things instead. Well, that's karma and the results of karma. But if you sit down and you repeatedly, each time your mind is carried away, when that moment comes when you recognize that it's carried away, there you have a choice. You could say, oh, I want to go back to planning my great project. That's more fun than watching my breath. Or, no, I want to learn to do this and, and achieve the kind of results that I see in my new companions that I associate with. Okay? So that's the kind of choice. That's a creating of karma. Whenever, every single time that choice arises and every time you choose to bring your attention back to the breath, you are creating the karma to be a person whose mind responds to intention. And after a while, the effect of that cumulative karma is you'll be a person who, when they sit down, that, that they have the karma that their mind responds to their intention, but it does, it's not just when they're sitting down. When they're in their daily life, their mind will also respond to intention. And this, this creates a possibility for that mindful awareness, for that discovery of the way things are and for that ability to shift the way things tend to go. So, meditation is a perfect example of, you know, you start out with a karma not to be able to meditate, and you create the karma to be a person who meditates. <laughs> Successfully. <laughs> but it applies to everything else. You know, you start out with a person who's working as a hitman for the mafia, and you end up being somebody who helps little children. And, <laughs> Yes. That's wonderful how you explain karma. I've never heard that before like this. <laughs> but I have a question to karma. Yeah. When, when the Buddha talks about um, the intention of karma in this lifetime, so he not, he's not talking about the next lifetime. It's really about now, right? Creating that next okay. moment, the next future moment with the right intentions. Well, it is the same thing. And the, this is a this is a, a, a subtle sort of thing. Because remember, the Buddha was teaching in a society where everybody believed in reincarnation. That 
when they died, that they were a person, an entity, a self, a kind of soul, that would be reincarnated again. And that it would be the same self and person. So as he did so often, he appropriated the common idea and subtly shifted it. He said, well, I don't teach reincarnation, but I teach rebirth. All he did was choose different words. And, and so people said to him, rebirth, rebirth, what does this mean? And he says that because he was also teaching that there is no self, and so the question also comes up, if there is no self, then who or what is reborn? And he says, when I say rebirth, I mean that those karmic predispositions are what is reborn. So, the self that you think you are is, it's not something that you're going to lose and be destroyed when you die. It's something that never existed in the first place. It's just a mental formation. It's like an idea or a thought or a memory, and it has no more substance than that. But we are all interconnected. We are part of a whole, even though we can't understand the nature of that. And what is reborn, if you, if you live in a good way, and if you develop a lot of good karma, and that you have developed a good karma is that you have become a, a wholesome person of, of high values and, and a good standard of behavior then that is what continues on, are those karmic predispositions. So. And so, in that regard, by saying, when the Buddha said, what is reborn, and the only thing that is reborn is your karmic predispositions, then you can see that that's the same thing that we're talking about, that the person that you are... Uh, a year from now is determined by your past experiences. And when you wake up some morning a year from now, you are that kind of person. You know, that's like being born that day. You wake up in the morning and this is the kind of person you are. And you could look into the past and you could see how your karma caused you to wake up as that kind of person. And so you can think of rebirth in the same sense. The best thing is not to cling to ideas of rebirth and reincarnation, because if you think of it, you know, your major concern is this life. You probably don't remember anything about your past lives. And so it's very likely that, you know, uh, some, that uh, no future being that, that comes to think and feel the way you do is going to remember having been you in the past. So don't worry about that. Focus on your life. Focus on becoming awakened in this lifetime yourself. But you can take comfort in the